I'm taking their asset, which has now become for them a liability. I'm buying it 25 cents on the dollar, and I'm converting that into an asset for somebody that really wants it at an irresistible price. It's literally that simple. That's the land geek, Mark Podolsky. Today on Your Money, Your Wealth, he shares his method for turning unwanted dirt and rock farms into cash. Plus, can you aggregate rental properties into an LLC to take advantage of the qualified business income deduction? And can you avoid state taxation on your required minimum distributions if you move to a state that doesn't tax retirement accounts? But first, let's talk about land. That is, assuming Joe can get our guest's name right. Here are Joe Anderson, CFP, and Big Al Clopine, CPA. Alan, this is kind of right up your alley. You've been a real estate investor for, what, 67 years? <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, I, th- I thought it was more like 85. But uh, yeah, I've been a real estate investor for a while, but never land. I've always invested in single-family homes and then later apartments. And we have uh, a guest that uh, actually creates passive income through land. The land geek. The land geek, as, as, as a matter of fact. Well, let's bring him on. We have Mark Podolsky. How did I do? Wow. <laughs> Yeah, she's that, looking. That Andy's was, looking at me like, she, uh, like uh, that, was, that was tremendous, Mark. It was it was uh, pretty yeah. good, right? Pretty close. See, that, was, I that, was, was, that was really good. I always blow up the last names, yeah. And then so it's, I, I was it's to I be was, expected. I was I was practicing, <laughs> but yeah. And you can see my marketing genius in being the land geek as opposed to Mark Podolsky. Podolsky. Like, Podolsky. 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 All right. Podolsky. Well, now, now we got it. AKA the land geek, Mark. You're an expert in looking at land purchasing it, making passive income in a real simple fashion. And so when we heard of this, we were like, Ponzi scheme or genius. Or or real. (laughs) Yes. So we brought you on to kind of figure out how the heck do we do this and, and help our listeners maybe to create wealth a little bit differently. All right. Let's do a deal together. So Alan, Joe, where do you guys live? Uh, we're here in San Diego. Oh wow! You both, you both, you both lost complaining privileges. Okay. Uh, yeah, so no, no complaints here. All right, so I go to this county in Texas, and I see this ten-acre parcel, and there's Alan and Joe, and you owe two hundred dollars in back taxes. But you're both in California. The property's in Texas. You're advertising two things to me. Number one, you have no emotional attachment to that raw land. You live in California. Property's in Texas. And number two, you're distressed in some way because when we don't value something, we don't pay for it. You haven't paid your property taxes. Every single month, the treasurer is sending you guys notices that if you don't pay your property taxes, you're going to lose that property to a tax lien or a tax deed investor. So what I'll do is I'll look at the comparable sales on that 10-acre parcel for the last, let's say, 12 to 18 months. I'm going to take the lowest comparable sale. Let's say, for example, it's $10,000. And all I'm going to do is divide by four. And that's going to get me what Warren Buffett would call a 300% margin of safety. And I'm not going to be like the housing guys. I'm not going to say I'm interested in buying your land. I'm going to send you an actual offer of $2,500. So you guys are like, well, $2,500 is better than losing it. And we're sick of paying the taxes on it. So you accept the offer. Now, in reality... Three to five percent of people accept my quote unquote top dollar offer. Still with me? Yep. Yep. Okay. So now you accept it. And after you accept it, I've got to go through due diligence or this in depth research. I got to make sure that you both still own the property. I got to confirm that back taxes are only $200. I've got to check title, make sure there's no liens or encumbrances, no breaks in the chain of title. 
you know, and I have this whole due diligence checklist and we've gotten to a point where we actually have a VA team in the Philippines connected to an American title company. So it cost me $11 in due diligence. Now these are for properties, $5,000 or less. If it's 5,000 or more, we're going to close through a title company just like anyone would do traditionally. But while I'm doing due diligence, I'm creating my marketing package. I'm getting the plat map. I'm getting the aerial maps. I'm getting the GIS map. I'm getting photos. I might do a local Craigslist gig for 50 bucks, have somebody shoot video and take photos and fill out my checklist. Like, what are the neighbors like? And that might cost me 50 bucks. So now I buy the property from you for $2,500. Everything checks out for due diligence. And then, guys, I'm going to sell this property 30 days or less. Do you know how I'm going to do it? There's a built-in Best Buyer. Do you know who it is? Do not know. It's the neighbors. The neighbors. Wow. So I'm going to send out neighbor letters and say, look, here's your opportunity. Expand your holdings. Protect your view. Make your banker happy. Expand your net worth and acquire the adjoining lot. Now, if the neighbors pass, I'm going to go to my buyers list. These are people that have already bought from me or are interested in buying land. If they pass, I'm going to go to a little website you've probably never heard of called Craigslist. It's the 10th most trafficked website in the United States. Or I might go to an even smaller one, Facebook. I might go to buy, sell groups and marketplace. But the way that I'm going to sell it is I'm going to make it irresistible. So I'm going to try to get my money out on the down payment. So $2,500 down payment. And then I might make it a car payment. Let's say $449 a month at 9% interest over the next 84 months. So essentially, it's a one-time sale. I get my money out within the down or let's say within six months. I get $449 a month at 9%. And Alan, Joe, no renters, no rehabs, no renovations, no rodents. And because I'm not dealing with a tenant, I'm exempt from Dodd-Frank, RESPA, and the SAFE Act. And therefore, the game that we play is can we create enough of these land notes where our passive income exceeds our fixed expenses, and then we're working because we want to, not because we have to. Very well done. Yeah, it is. Intro I, and I just have to say, in our case, with Joe and I, our property... I paid my half. Joe didn't pay his half of the property taxes. That's it would have been worse, Mark. No, and and honestly, I could, I could tell from Joe's voice that that would be the case. Yes. Well, Mark, tell me a little bit about yourself. How did you get into this? Um, how did you stumble on your first deal? Because it sounds like, all right, you have a very well thought out system. I mean, you're working with title companies in Vietnam for Philippines, Philippines, <laughs> or wherever the hell it was. Right, right. I mean, come on, yeah. it's like the average Joe is not going to be all right. Well, you know what? I see this parcel, then I'm going to start doing all this stuff and get it down to an exact science. Tell me a little bit about your story. How did how did you start figuring out that raw land was your oasis of wealth? Yeah. So in 2000, I was a miserable, overworked, micromanaged investment banker working with private equity groups, uh, doing mid-market mergers and acquisitions. Nothing too crazy, you know, five to 500 million enterprise value. And I'm telling you, I had a 45-minute commute to work and back. It was just, just terrible. And it got so bad for me that I wouldn't get the Sunday blues anticipating Monday coming around. I'd get the Friday blues anticipating the weekend going by really fast well, and having to be back at work. For, there, there's booze <laughs> that, that. Is, that is true. <laughs> there's booze for yeah. that in the scary Sundays. All right? just, <laughs> I just I read about it somewhere. <laughs> You've never experienced yeah, that yourself. Never. I mean, my Mondays oh. are like everyone's Fridays. <laughs> <laughs> you can't wait. Yeah. So my firm hires this guy, and he's telling me that as a side hustle, he's going to these tax deed auctions, He's buying up raw land, pennies on the dollar. He's flipping them online, and he's making average ROI of 
Well, I'm looking at companies all day long. And a great company, a great company has 15% EBITDA margins or free cash flow. Great company. Average companies, 10%. And I'm looking at companies all day long, less than 10%. So, of course, I don't believe him. So I go to New Mexico with him. I've got three grand saved for car repairs. I do exactly what he tells me to do. I buy up 10 half-acre parcels, an average price of $300 each. I put them online. They all sell the next month for an average price of $1,200 each. It worked. So I took all that money. I went to another auction where I live in Arizona. And again, this is 2000. There's no one in the room. I'm buying up lots. I'm buying up acreage for like nothing. And I sell all that online. It took about six months. And I made over $90,000 cash. So I go to my wife. I'm like, honey, I'm going to quit my job. I'm going to be a full-time land investor. And she's pregnant. <laughs> and she's, <laughs> she's like, absolutely not. Right. So I said, okay, okay, okay. So I've worked in the land investing business for 18 months until it exceeded the investment banking income, and then I quit. And I've been doing it full-time ever since. I've now I'm over 5,800 land deals and counting. And then over the last five years, with systems, automation, delegation, software, I'm 90% automated. So I'm only working two hours a week in the business. You know, it's um, funny. I'm, I was excited to have you on because Al and I see a lot of individuals that have raw land and it's they always usually have like a nickname for it like the biggest mistake <laughs> of my life yeah uh, they, the rock farm they definitely don't want it anymore <laughs> you know, yeah. they're like uh, you know we had this real dream to build our retirement home on this lot that we got sold for so we were thinking all right well how is this guy because we meet a lot of people that have raw land but it was like a really bad investment for them so these are your potential people that you're looking for to buy it from them and then flip it in 30 days um, with a significant profit, it sounds like. Absolutely. So I'm taking their asset, which has now become for them a liability. I'm buying it 25 cents on the dollar, and I'm then converting that into an asset for somebody that really wants it at an irresistible price. It's literally that simple. It sounds super simple. Have you ever noticed that the real estate investors are some of the most well-spoken, charming, gregarious people we have on YMYW? Hmm, I wonder if that's a benefit of investing in real estate too. If you're chomping at the bit to get started on this simple path to passive income, you'll find the link to Mark's website in the podcast show notes at yourmoneyyourwealth.com. Along with the transcript of this interview, links to some of our previous discussions of various real estate investments here on the YMYW podcast, and your free download of 10 tips for real estate investors, courtesy of Your Money, Your Wealth. Now more with the land geek, Mark Podolsky. I would think that uh, maybe in a lot of cases, these are plots of land that have been inherited. So maybe it was bought by the parents and now the kids have it and they have no interest whatsoever. And it's like, for them, I would think any offer would be better than nothing. Exactly. Absolutely. It, that happens a lot of times. How do you go about finding the land? I see signs, but a lot of times it, it probably is not even publicized because it's like, well, yeah, we got this rock farm in Arizona. You know, we want to get rid of it, but I don't know. It's kind of a hassle to sell. And how, how do you find the deals? How do you find the, the parcels? Yeah, so we, we have, you know, our favorite counties and through the years, places where I've done deals or my competition has done deals or my clients have done deals. So we know definitively that deals can be done there within our model. So 
you know, like I'm not going to waste my time on a, a San Francisco infill lot for two million dollars <laughs> because right. that seller is not going to sell to me twenty five three cents a dollar. They're going to go the biggest baddest broker in town and sell that thing, you know, hundred ten cents on the dollar. So I'm going to avoid those areas. But then again, nobody wakes up and thinks to themselves, "Boy, I'd really like some raw land today in Iowa." <laughs> Unless you live right. in Iowa. So I'm focused on California, Florida, Nevada, Arizona, New Mexico, Colorado, and then a little bit in the Northwest, Washington and Oregon. These are fat Texas as well. Fast growing states, lots of inexpensive raw land. And so from there, we narrow it down by county. So we might go to a website called NACO.org, N-A-C-O.org. That's the national county organization. And I get all the contact information for all 3,007 U.S. counties right there. So I can email the assessor, hey, I want to get your list. I can email the treasurer, hey, I want to get your list of people that owe back taxes. And then what we'll do is we'll take that list, we'll upload it into our software, we'll price that list, and we'll send out our offers. So I've heard of things like this before, and, and my concern on something like this is you end up with all this raw land that you can't <laughs> yes. sell. I got, I got 400 I got, million I got, acres of right, crap land in the middle of, ne- middle of Texas. So, <laughs> you want to come over, Al? Yeah, so I get the goal and the formula, and the goal is to sell within 30 days, but I'm sure there's times when that doesn't happen, and how common is that, and what do you do to overcome that? All right, so this is going to sound nutty to you guys but I've never been stuck with a piece of raw land. There is a pig for every barn. <laughs> it, it all sells. And the reason it sells is it doesn't matter. I mean, I don't care what asset you buy. You buy any asset, 25, 30 cents on the dollar, there's someone else on the other end of that deal. You could wholesale it and just double your money to somebody like me, and I'll retail it. So we have a massive community of people that will just buy it wholesale from you if you really don't want to go through the trouble of, of going through you know, the marketing of it. So let's say I have some raw land that I want to sell. What's the best channels for me to do that if I don't want to go through you know, the normal brokerage channels? Do I just put it on Craigslist? If yeah, I don't want to go through all the you – know, it sounds like you've got a science, right? I'm just an idiot you know, from Minnesota, and I, and I bought a bunch of land that I thought I was going to build a cabin on in the woods in Hackensack. Um, this is sounding like a real story here, Joe. <laughs> it is. It's getting very specific yeah. now. <laughs> and it's, and it's, it's about 18.6 miles from Baby Lake. <laughs> so I want to unload this thing. So what do I... I mean, you, utilities? <laughs> is, it, is it fence? Yeah. So, no, I mean, essentially what you would do is you would go to a, a website. There's websites like landmodo.com landandfarm.com, landflip.com, landsofamerica.com, landhub.com. These are platforms. So you don't have to drive traffic looking for buyers of raw land. They're already out there. And so do you use those particular sites to help you kind of look for the right deals or is it all? Yeah, I, I prefer Landmodo, but yeah, absolutely. I'll use those sites. But I've gotten so good at it now that, I mean, I can pick up a phone now. And just call up a buyer and say, and get them excited and start negotiating. But well, yeah, um, well, the when pig first... in any barn gets anyone yeah, excited. Yeah, Mark. But, yeah. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, but otherwise, you know, we've got automation tools and we have ad writers, and they'll go out and they'll market the land. So let's say I want to start building a passive income doing this. This sounds complicated. 
and let's say I have a full-time job. I work quite a few hours, and I don't have the time. So what's my options? What, how do I do this? You know, it sounds interesting. And it's like, all right, well, what's the next steps for some of our listeners maybe to, to, to get involved with something like this? Yeah, I mean, if you're an accredited investor, you could talk to us like a one-to-one conversation about a fund type of thing if you really don't have the time. But like, here's a good example. Here's Roberto Chavez. So here's a guy who's a full-time attorney in California and doesn't love, um, I mean, it's not that he doesn't love it, but he's not a partner. He doesn't have a ton of control being a lawyer. He just, he just wants his option. So he starts doing raw land investing part-time, two hours a day. Last month, he got to 12000 a month passive income. It took him a year to do it. But now he really has a choice to do it. So if you can you know, find an hour in the morning, an hour in the evening, that would move the needle. I'll ask him, you know, because a lot of it's 90% automated now with software. It doesn't take that much time. The learning curve we can shortcut for you. So it's really not complicated. In fact, compared to every other real estate niche, it's the simplest. It's a buyer. It's a seller. It's a piece of raw land. There's no banks involved. You can do it from anywhere in the world. It's scalable. You don't have to go out and start messing around with looking at the foundation and meeting subs and dealing with asbestos issues and is the roof leaking? You know, I mean, I'll be honest with you. Nobody's called me up at two in the morning and said, hey, Mark, my, my, <laughs> my dirt's leaking. <laughs> Mark, tell us about any mistakes that you made when you were starting down this road. What are the things that people should look out for? I think really in the very, very beginning, you really want to make sure that you know your comps and you know your due diligence really well. Now, I have made some mistakes. Oh, come on. Uh, and I've made, I've made a lot of mistakes. I think also not having a Sherpa to kind of you know, smart cut it for you uh, was a big mistake. I know a lot of people like want to be the lone wolf. They want to do it on their own. But there's so much information out there. Like, get educated as well. You know, don't just start doing this stuff blindly. But once you have that under your belt, it's really hard to make a mistake. Again, any asset you buy, 25, 30 cents on the dollar, you know, the old saying in, in real estate, you make your money on the buy. And that's what I would say. I mean, I, I remember when I first started, I bought 20 acres on the side of a mountain in New Mexico. And maybe, oh no, it was 40, it was 40 acres on the side of a mountain in New Mexico. I paid $2,500. But only 15 of the acres are accessible. So I was like, oh, gosh, if I can just get my money out, I'll be happy. I put it up on eBay at a dollar, starting bid, no reserve. The first day, it got bid up to $2,500. The 10th day, it went up to $32,500, and I'm freaking out. Wow. I, did, I, did, I put, did, I, did I not see the mountains? So I call the buyer, and I'm like, why? Well, you know, you see it's like on the side of the mountain. He's like, it's perfect. He was a film director in L.A., he wanted to film out there. He didn't want to deal with getting permits. So it was cheaper and more efficient for him just to buy the 40 acres than deal with the county. Hmm. So, I mean, that's just another example. There's, there's literally a pig for every barn. <laughs> I'm going to say that like every day. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think we have a show title. I think so, buddy. Hey, Mark, someone wants to get educated. Someone wants to start getting their, their feet wet. How, how can you help them? What, what should they be doing? I mean, I think the first thing to do is kind of do a deep dive into it and just see if it makes sense to them. So I've got a book on Amazon. You can get it, I think, for, you know, $2.99 on Kindle called Dirt Rich, How One Ambitiously Lazy Geek 
created passive income in real estate without renters, renovations, rehabs, that's a good place to start. You could go to thelandgeek.com. You can download for free our passive income blueprint, get our ebook, how to avoid the three fatal land buying mistakes. And we have a podcast that we publish every week and get that every week in your email inbox. And then just for your listeners, guys, I, I have a, a course. It's a $97 course called the Passive Income Launch Kit. And they can really start getting educated and we'll offer that to your listeners for free. Wow. Look at that. I'm going straight I, I to I, my computer. I'm, I'm, that's what I'm doing <laughs> and, next. We're, and, we're and, right and, at it. And when I say listeners, I mean Alan and not Joe. <laughs> <laughs> Joe I'm, yeah. I'm going to have you PayPal me at the 97. You're going you're gonna to do that. Yeah, yeah. Not, not, a, not a problem. Yeah. I'll send you a check. <laughs> Uh, The Land Geek. Uh, This was great, Mark. I I really appreciate your time and your wisdom. Uh, This was a lot of fun. Thank you guys so much for having me. And I'd love to come back and tell the story of how I sold Joe's wrong. (laughs) Yeah, you'll be talking offline. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That, that nice little parcel up in Hackensack. Perfect. Check the podcast show notes at yourmoneyyourwealth.com for the Land Geeks Launch Kit, a $97 value but free for all YMYW listeners except Joe. In the coming weeks on Your Money, Your Wealth, Danielle Kunkel-Roberts will help you maximize your Medicare. Rick Durso will share his retirement hustle and tell us what it's like to caddy for the Symmetra Ladies Golf Tour. And Liz Ann Saunders from Schwab will return to YMYW to talk about the state of the markets now that we're at the halfway mark in 2019. Subscribe to the podcast at yourmoneyyourwealth.com for free so you'll get all the new episodes as soon as they're released. And hey, if you learn and laugh when you listen to YMYW, the best thing you can do is share the show with your friends on social media or in an email. Just send them to yourmoneyyourwealth.com. Now it's time to open the email inbox. If you've got money questions or comments, scroll down yourmoneyyourwealth.com and click Ask Joe and Al on air to send it in and have it answered here on the show. Speaking of real estate investing, a few weeks ago, the fellas answered a question from Dennis about the qualified business income deduction for real estate investors. And that prompted another question. Dennis, why don't you just call us? (laughs) I don't understand what you're doing here. We know you. We know you, Dennis. You used to work for me. (laughs) Dennis, we work together. You know, um, but you would rather just get just right into the gets his five minutes of fame. <laughs> yeah, he can't wait to hear his, his name on our yeah. podcast um, or the radio. Okay, uh, Dennis R. from Coronado, California, writes in, Joe and Al, your reply was exactly to the point of my question. So he asked another question about yeah, the we, QBI deduction. Yes. Um, it did, however, generate a follow-up question in my mind. I just wondered what Alan would say about aggregating individually owned rental properties with an LLC partnership interest basing, (laughs) passing, I'm sorry, through (laughs) rental real estate income into a single rental business for a purpose of meeting the 250-hour safe harbor requirement. Dennis, what the hell? I mean, are we giving advice to one of your clients? (laughs) Why don't you get more specific? I have a client (laughs) named Steve. (laughs) <laughs> and he's got a bunch of real estate, and I was thinking about giving him this advice, so I thought I'd ask Al, but instead of calling him, I'm going to send I can ask in, it on the air. <laughs> I'm going to send it in <laughs> through well, our see, website. This way, they can just, uh, Dennis can give the reply, you know, the audio reply to the client. I, I have no idea what the hell that question even meant. I know what it means. Luckily, I know, Al does. They, hopefully. <laughs> so let me, let me give a little more background and actually rephrase the question. Thank you. Even I didn't understand it, and I'd already read it. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't understand what you said. <laughs> 
So the, the question is relating to QBI, Qualified Business Income Deduction, uh, which is new for 2018 and, and forward with this new tax law. It basically means that if you have a small business, you can take up to 20% of your profits and, ha- and, cre- and have them be non-taxable. So $100,000 business profits, 20% of that's $20,000. You don't pay tax on $20,000. You only pay tax on $80,000. That's, that's the concept. Now, the IRS came out and said, you know what, um, maybe you can use your real estate. But it was really vague when it first came out. And it, the question was, well, the way it was written, it has to be a small business. Is real estate a small, is rental real estate a small business or not? And there's always been that confusion, Joe. My entire career is real estate. And it makes a difference when you sell the real estate and and, and the tax consequences. Most accountants say, yes, it is, but not all. Anyway, so with this new tax law, it still was unclear until, (laughs) until earlier this year, the IRS came out with a safe harbor that said, yes, real estate is a business if you if you fall under this 250-hour rule, meaning that you and your subcontractors, like property manager, your maintenance people, your gardener, they spend at least 250 hours on the property per year. If you follow that and if you keep records on each property and, and document the time, then, okay, then then, we're, then it's going to qualify for business and you get the 20%. And then it came up with, well... I've got uh, I've got three single-family homes. Let's just say, and when I look at all three, it's doubtful that 250 hours is spent on any of those three. But can we aggregate those together, right? Can we say they're just they're just like one property because I spent 100 hours on one, 100 right. hours you, on another? You're not spending 250 on each of the three properties, right? But maybe in aggregate, you could add all the the time on the three properties and maybe come up with 250 hours. Yeah, exactly. And the IRS said yes, you can do that as long as a couple things. Uh, one is they're they're similar type properties, so you you can't you can't aggregate a commercial property with residential rental. So those are separate, right? And the second thing is they have to basically be in the same entity, right? So in your partnership, in your S corporation, in your LLC, or held personally. But it's a little more complicated than that because if you own property in an LLC and you're the only owner, that's a single member LLC. It's called a disregarded entity. And for tax purposes, it's as if you didn't have an LLC, and the IRS recognizes that for aggregation rules. So in other words, you got three properties, each in different LLCs. You're the sole owner. It's a disregarded entity. You can aggregate all of those because it's disregarded. It shows up on your tax return, and you can do that. So that that's the answer to the question. If, on the other hand, you had, I don't know, a bunch of LLCs with other partners, Right, so it's not a sole, a single member LLC. Then each of those stand alone. You can only aggregate properties within those LLCs. How about if I had three properties in one LLC? Yeah, that works. Yeah, yeah, that works fine too. Yeah, but um, you would probably recommend that anyway, wouldn't you? Let's say if I had three rentals, would you? uh, Does it make sense to have three separate LLCs for the three rentals, or do you think it? I mean, I know it's all a risk mitigation tool. Yeah. 
Well, the, the, the idea is you put a property in an LLC, something goes wrong with the property, there's a lawsuit, the lawsuit's limited to the assets in that property. Now, I'm not an attorney, and if there's gross negligence, maybe there's ways to pierce all that. I, I don't really, you know, that's, that's a legal matter. But that's the idea of LLCs, is that you, each, you would set up an LLC for each property to, for maximum protection, but then you got 18 properties. Do you really want yeah, 18 yeah, yeah, LLCs yeah. and 18 filings with the state of California? You have to pay $800 for each one, and so then it's like separate tax returns too, right? Yeah, but but it's a disregarded entity if, if it's a, a single member. So there's no federal return, but there's a state return, so you can pay your $800. It's it's dumb, but that that's what it is. So you'd have 18 different tax returns. So what you might do in that case is, you know what, I'll take four or five and put them in this LLC. I'll take four or five and put them in this LLC, what, whatever combination you want. So at least if something goes wrong with one group, it doesn't necessarily affect the other group. Or another way to think of that is if I have a high-risk property, like a 50-unit apartment, and I got three 50-unit apartments, I might want to put those all separate because there's a lot of value there. I don't want to risk. What you have for breakfast? I have Wheaties. <laughs> you have some brain juice or something. <laughs> got the green juice flowing. No, I actually had my usual. I had oatmeal with fruit. <laughs> Keeps you healthy, buddy. It does. We got Arthur from Columbus, Ohio. Can I avoid state tax on RMDs by living in a state that doesn't tax pensions and 401ks, 457, or IRA withdrawals? Of the 14 tax-free states, do some have better tax advantage than others? Our home state of Ohio has a 5% tax rate, so uh, presumably moving would save $5,000 annually on $100,000 income. Is that correct? I assume federal tax is still due on RMDs and Medicare will rise uh, whenever we live, correct? My wife and I are nearing 70 and live off pensions in some interest income. Okay, I'll take that one. So a few years ago, and I'm going to say it seems like a few, which probably means 20 years ago, maybe it was 10, 15, something like that. Uh, I think most of the states got together and tried to coordinate how they handled pensions and other types of income coming from pension plans or IRAs. And what was decided uh, was that your state of residency at the time of the withdrawal controls who gets the taxes. So in other words, like we live in California, which is a high-tax state, and right next door is Nevada, which is no taxes at all. And so you could potentially have saved money in California putting money into into retirement accounts and moved to Nevada, and when you pull the money out, it's tax-free. That is a true statement. So that would uh, so then you got to look at is the tax savings that you're getting, in this particular case $5,000 a year, is it worth moving, moving. to another state? Maybe, maybe you want to move. Maybe you don't. A lot of people want to stay put. Most people would rather stay put where they kind of raised their family or where they went where they went through their career. And I think in a lot of cases, when you kind of look at the math, it's like, gosh, a few hundred dollars a month is that going to make a difference in our our lifestyle and how we feel about things? And answer is probably not. But it's it's a very personal thing. Maybe it is for you. Maybe you want to move. What do you want to do, Alan? Do you think you'll stay here, or do you think you'll move? I believe that I will stay here. Not, uh, you not to Hawaii. Uh, I if, at at best we'll probably split, you know. So and Hawaii's taxes are almost as high as California, so it doesn't really matter. But those, yeah, half the year here, half the year in Hawaii. That that would be my plan. If you had a pension, they don't tax pensions in Hawaii. That's true. If I had one, that'd be cool. <laughs> but I don't. 
Uh. And neither does Zan. You're right. Yeah, pensions, they don't tax in Hawaii. But it's funny because each state does it a What about IRAs and 401ks in Hawaii? They tax them. They, they, they do? Yeah, uh-huh. Just a pension. Just um, a pension, yeah. Defined benefit plan? Right, right. Because we had a client that has a pension, and they, they live in Hawaii, and they purposely didn't want to roll from their pension plan to an IRA because then all of a sudden it would be taxable. What does that mean? How do you roll a pension plan to an IRA? Well, a, a defined benefit plan. Let me put it that way. So what? Instead of taking the lump sum? Yeah, it's the, instead of so yeah, so they had a yeah they they, they had, had a lump, they had sum, a lump option sum option or a pension lump, option lump, yeah yeah the, yeah thank you let me backtrack they had a lump sum option that they could have rolled into an IRA and then when they pull the funds out of there they're taxable in Hawaii you leave it inside the in they the just took benefit the plan they just took the um, the annuity the, correct the, the payment the income got it see it's all about planning. And that's it for us. For Big Al Clopine, I'm Joe Anderson. Show's called Your Money Your World. Big thanks to our guest, the land geek, Mark Podolsky. Find the link to his $97 launch kit, free for YMYW listeners, in the podcast show notes at yourmoneyyourwealth.com. If there's something you want to know or hear on YMYW, drop us an email or let us know on social media. Tag us, we'll follow you, and the fellows will answer you right here on the podcast. All the links you need are in the show notes. Your Money, Your Wealth is presented by Pure Financial Advisors. For your free two-meeting financial assessment with a certified financial planner, just click the free assessment button at yourmoneyyourwealth.com. Pure Financial Advisors is a registered investment advisor. This show does not intend to provide personalized investment advice through this broadcast and does not represent that the securities or services discussed are suitable for any investor. Investors are advised not to rely on any information contained in the broadcast in the process of making a full and informed investment decision especially if you're buying a rock farm.